0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed, and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. Alright, so if you have been a part of these in the past, you kind of know how it's going to go. The way we're going to do this, same as we did last year, I'm going to be asking the questions. Our speakers will get three minutes each to answer the question. I will give them a one-minute warning, and then I will shut them down and move on to the next speaker. And then... We will move on that way. We have the first six questions to go through this week, and then the next week we will answer our last six questions. So, we're going to start. Here we go. And the first question I have for our speakers, we're going to start with Brother Brandon because he's right beside me.
1: Okay, fine. We'll start with Mrs. Sarah. (laughs) We're going to start with Mrs. Sarah. (laughs) It's her fault. Um, we're gonna start with
0: <laughs> and the first question is, one of you asked, and once again, we do not know like who asked this, we have no idea right. who. It's just, literally, I take the cup, I shuffle it, I open them, and I write them down. I don't know who wrote what. Yeah. So, the first question I wrote down, and we're going to start with, is how do I know a certain thing is my calling? How do I know a certain thing is my calling. All and right. If you're
1: taking notes, please get out your phone, your pen, your paper. Yeah, paper. where's where's the note it, note taking devices? Stuff, my there we go. All right. There we go.
2: So,
0: and your agreement begins now. Go ahead. All
2: right. So anytime that I talk about calling or ministry, you hear me say pretty much the same thing. Take a clue from the innate skills that you already have from. the the talents that you already possess uh take a clue from the things that you're already doing because each and every one of you god is already using you in some way or another and for some of you the way that you are currently being used is a little bit more in the background it's not as recognized it's not as seen by people and some of you are working in more of a, you know, forward kind of on the platform or in a a way that people can see you. And one is not greater than the other, but each one of you right now is already being used. Mm -hmm. So take a look at the things that you are already doing. And look, guys, let's not make this calling thing complicated because the bottom line is each and every one of us is called to serve we are called to serve, we are called to work in the kingdom of God, to further the kingdom of God. Now, what that looks like is gonna change throughout your life. Whatever it is that you're doing now, whatever ways that you're serving right now, that's probably going to look different five years from now. But your calling to serve the kingdom of God, your calling, to reach lost souls is still the same. So look at what you're already doing. Are you being used in intercession and travail? Are you being used in altar working? Are you being used in you know serving in the back, uh, organizing or helping fundraisers, teaching a class, teaching a Bible study, organizing a Bible study? Like that's right. a big thing. One minute. okay. Are you preaching? Are you counseling? Are you mentoring? There, there are so. So many things that you're either doing or you will do or you can do but bottom line your calling is just to serve and that's going to look different all throughout your life
1: mm. that's good that's nice um yeah. no i i
2: how quaint so
1: so looking at this question the first thing that popped into my mind is when God created Eve God created the calling of Eve to be Adam's helper mm-hmm. but the enemy and sin caused Eve to instead of help Adam hurt Adam mm-hmm. and all of us are called to do something and you know that it's a calling because God is trying to elevate to what you already are doing into a ministry of his but if we're not careful we can allow the enemy we can allow ourselves to instead of helping the kingdom be a hindrance to it Ooh. with the calling that we're given. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've talked about this over and over. And like Sister Sarah said, let us not complicate it. It's it's simple, y'all. It's your hobbies, your interests, your likes. You know, God already made you with the idea of who you were gonna be, what you were gonna do, and where you were gonna go. And so your calling plays hand in hand in that. And so, yeah, it may not seem like a typical ministry, your ministry, your calling may never be behind the pulpit with a mic. Mm-hmm. But that's fine because it's still a calling. Yes, there are, And I'm just going to read these examples real quick of what callings look like in the Bible. Saul of Tarsus was on the road to Damascus when he was called. David was anointed king by Samuel. Elijah was found and became apprentice of Elijah. Jacob wrestled with God. Isaiah had a vision. Jonah was given instructions by God. And Samuel heard a voice. They were all called, Mm but they were all in different locations, different stages, different parts of their life. And God did something in them because he already knew what they were doing ahead of time. Saul, yeah, he killed Christians. He persecuted him. But Saul was also somebody who could, was logical and could persuade people. And God knew that. And so it took that interaction with God to take that from the enemy and turn it into good. So don't don't think too hard into this calling. It's not complex. It is, you know what your abilities are. You know what you do. You know the gifts that God has given to you. Just use them for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Shaking hands with a guest as they walk in the door, that's a calling. Yes. Taking pictures, that's a calling. Yes. From putting a Bible scripture on social media, on reels, on what that's a calling. Mm-hmm. All of that is a calling. It's not just inside the church but it's also outside into the world. Amen. Yeah.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, just kind of add on to that just real quick because we don't have a third speaker. Um, what, what kind of jumped out to me with this is like, how do I know a certain thing is my calling? First of all, God's going to reveal that to you in some way, shape, or form. There's going to be a door that that, that becomes open to you. Now here's the thing, Uh, what I would warn you as young adults, growing in talent, growing in ability, growing in opportunity uh, to do your callings and be a part of things and be a part of the worship team, praising, BBS, speaking, whatever it is, um, is Satan would love nothing more than to take that ability and turn it, to give it. For the world mm-hmm. and not for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yes. And sometimes, sometimes we can take opportunity and say, "Wow, this door is opening," but have you prayed about the door? Right. Mm-hmm. Because God can open. Because God can open doors, but God can also allow Satan to open doors.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because when when you look at Job, Job was blessed. Job was used. Job had everything he he could ever want. The Bible says. Job was without nothing. He had everything that he could ever want. And things started to happen in his life that wasn't really ideal. His kids began to die. His wife, that the door opened for him to have a wife. God blessed him with this wife. But then he allowed Satan to take the wife and manipulate her to make her go against him. And so there are things in the world that you could be entertaining Mm -hmm. that is not the will of God in your life. But you're taking it as a quote-unquote opportunity, mm-hmm. because when I was asked to play drums at different places, I've had to pray about that. Because because even though it might have elevated me, was it elevating God? Right. right. And you have to be very careful with the opportunities that are that come your way. You've got to be able to keep keep an eye open for that, and and know where it is that God is directing you, because because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance callings are in that scripture. Mm-hmm. You can be called to preach, but are you called to, to go preach there? You might not be, mm-hmm. but maybe you have got the opportunity. So you have to be very sensitive mm-hmm. with that and you'll know what that calling is. I don't know why I'm on the rabbit trail, but i had have you a bit more time. You, can, you, you know what the calling is, but you still have to be sensitive to the calling. You mm-hmm. have to be able to understand where God is leading and directing you. Okay. Amen that was uh, question number one. I'm also talking to the mic so the mics can hear me because we're gonna put this on the podcast in case you don't remember uh, what is being said. You can go on the podcast and hear this stuff later on. Um okay, question number two. Why is Song of Songs or Song of Solomon in the Bible? Why is that book in the Bible? Me. I'm gonna start with. You looking Sarah at me again <laughs> because of her fault
3: okay
2: okay look uh whoever asked this good question because there's a lot of stuff in the bible that i'm like why is this in here like you know we're we are all raised to be uh to be very you know modest and to to be careful you know what what we read and what we watch And then, you know, we're reading the the Bible and we see that Noah's daughters got him drunk and then raped him two nights in a row. So it's like, wow, Um, there's a lot of stuff in this Bible that, mm, not sure why it's there, but I'm sure there's a reason. (laughs) So for the Song of Solomon, I got got two reasons why I think that this is in the Bible. Um, (laughs) Good question. Uh, The first... And it's awkward to talk about, but let's just, let's just be real, let's be honest. I believe the Song of Solomon is included in the Bible to remind us that sex, in the context of marriage, is a good thing. In the context of marriage, sex is good. It is thumbs up from God, all right, in marriage. So again, we're raised to be very modest. We're raised to, you know, stay away from bad things, and and sometimes we grow up to be adults, and um, and we're afraid of some things <laughs> when we get married, and we shouldn't be because in the context of marriage, sex is good, right? Um, in fact, Hebrews 13 and 4 says marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, right? it's not a bad thing wait until you're married but it's not a bad thing okay again it's awkward to talk about hang in there second point the second reason i think that this is included in the bible is because the relationship between a husband and a wife that marriage covenant is was the first covenant that god created that was the first union god created between man and woman husband wife adam and eve and the relationship the covenant between a husband and a wife is a parallel of the relationship between God and the church, God and his bride. We are called his bride. This book is awkward to read, but I believe in the same way that Solomon was doting on his wives and and his concubines, Um, doting was like lavishing them in love saying you're beautiful uh you're lovely and in the same yeah a very yes in the same way that solomon was saying you're beautiful and and you're amazing to his wives i believe that god sees that same beauty in his (laughs) church and so it's a reminder of the relationship that god has with the church
1: that was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, that's no, that's basically what it's it hard is. To talk about yeah. But yeah. So you're in English class and you read a story, you know, and you have to answer those awful questions about what is the theme, what does this mean, why did the author decide to put yeah. this person in a blue shirt, why does the blue shirt mean? And some of us are probably yeah. like, it's just yeah, blue, it's right? Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the Song of Solomon is the same exact thing. It is what the Jews consider to be a Song of Prophecy. It is one of the ten major ones that the Jews look back to. Um, Within the Song of Prophecy, it does talk a lot about that. In fact, some of the major parts of the book is you have basically the general story is that you have King Solomon, the son of David, wearing the attire of a common shepherd and meeting this um, beautiful young shepherdess in disguise, and they pledge their love for one another, very vividly and descriptive under a tree in the song. And Solomon tells this lady that he has to leave, but he's coming back soon. He doesn't give her a time. He doesn't tell her when, where, but he is coming back and look forward to that day. Um, after time has passed, he returns unexpectedly, but he doesn't come back as the shepherd. He comes back as the king. He comes back in royal garb, Um, and the woman realizes that she had fallen in love with not just any shepherd, but with a king. And so the correlation to this whole thing is that Solomon is the son of David, and who else is the son of David? Jesus. He entered our worlds disguised as an ordinary person, as an ordinary kid, an ordinary young boy. Jesus came as one of us. He experienced what we experienced. This man called Jesus showed mankind, showed the church, showed the bride who he was and who he was going to be. And Jesus tells us, just like in this book, that he is coming back one day, as he promised. Mm -hmm. He is going to come back. And when he returns, the Bible says that Jesus will not come, as he did come the first time. He won't return as the baby in the manger like the Christmas story, but he would come back victorious and proclaim himself as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is why we also call Jesus the Rose of Sharon, because in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1, it says that, and this is Solomon speaking, I am the Rose of Sharon and the Lily of the Valleys. And when you make that correlation, you understand that Solomon was using a typology to show that this is Jesus. So that's why we have this, this book. It's a... Just like everything else in the Old Testament, there are themes in there that show us the New Testament, the coming of Jesus and the Messiah. I that.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's good, yeah. And I've also heard that there is a correlation between between uh, the Bride of Christ and mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. where, where the Bride of Christ, which is the church, needs to be intimate with the God of the universe. Yes. We are His Bride. And now... The intimacy that, that, that we are talking about is through worship, through being available, through being one of his sons or daughters. Mm-hmm. Showing love to him, loving him with heart, soul, mind, strength, everything we have, giving ourselves to him. Just as a bride would to her husband and the husband to her bride. We give ourselves to that person. Mm-hmm. And that is what the church does with God. We give ourselves to Him. And so, if you're going to be intimate with God, you have to be able to give yourself to God and do what He tells you to do in all areas, which goes into the calling question. So, this all goes together. It's being intimate. It's Mm -hmm. being in love with your Savior. Because He loved you enough to die for you. So, we're going to love Him enough Mm -hmm. to to give ourselves to Him. The same way.
3: Amen. That's good.
0: Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, I need to read the question. All right. Next question. This is Sister Sarah's favorite one. She only has three minutes to talk about it. So I see how fast he can talk. What is the firmament? What is the <laughs> firmament? Okay, okay. As referenced in the Bible, okay. you'll hear the explanation.
2: Okay, okay. So 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 whoever you are, you are referring to Genesis 1 and 7, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Okay, so uh, there are lots and lots of convoluted theories um, about this. Uh, I'm just going to give you some information. Uh, I don't necessarily know that it is fact, but here's the info. At the most basic level, the firmament is the atmosphere divides the waters below, like the sea and the oceans from the waters above, whatever that means. Um, Here's what that could mean. There are theories about (laughs) the earth is not a sphere. It is a dome. There are are scriptures that support this. And I'm not trying to rock your world view. I don't really care. The earth could be it, the earth could be square. I do not care. Yeah. And knowing what shape the earth is is not going to get me to heaven. But here is the theory that the firmament is the atmosphere and there's a layer of water above it and then there's like so there's Sheol or a hell beneath the earth. I think we already know that hell is below the earth, right? That's not, we can, we can buy that. But in this theory, there's like a great deep even under that. And the Leviathan is somewhere in that great deep, so. Um, and then, so some of the, the references that we can pull from scripture to kind of support this, um, like in Jonah, when he's thrown into the sea, the Bible says that he, he sank to the, the, the roots of the mountains, and he sank down to like the pillars of the great sea. And, and uh, there's, there's an absolute rabbit trail that you could go on this topic. But to answer the question in the most basic terms that I can, the firmament is the atmosphere. That
3: makes
2: sense. Take it and run with it, folks. That
0: image
2: looks like a full night <laughs> Sure, sure. Awesome. NASA is alive.
0: Right, ready to go ahead. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't know. There's nothing really else to add. The only thing I'll add is that, as Sister Sarah pointed out in the very beginning, don't let these kind of questions stumble, y'all, yeah. and, and don't think too hard on this stuff. This is not, not going to determine if you get to heaven or hell. Now, it is cool to think about and start pondering things, mm-hmm. right? But basically, that's what it is. And another thing, too, you got to understand the people at that time were discovering things. Right, and the Bible we already know has answers to a lot of things. Yeah. And as science has progressed and stuff, we have been able to discover things. You know, Genesis talks about the animals being um, getting energy from from Earth and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we know the sun gives life to plants and and all this stuff. Yeah. And we give life from light from the sun. So as time progresses, you get statements like the firmament and, you know, calling it the heavens and stuff like that. That's because whenever growing up you heard about heaven or hell, you always looked up and down, right? When somebody said, look at heaven, you didn't look down, you looked up, Mm -hmm. right? And then when people talked about hell or fiery or whatever, you looked down, like the core of the earth and stuff like that. So it's just... Yeah. In the same sense, yeah. well, so. in
2: a, in a lot of ways, uh, science is sort of catching up to the Bible. There's a lot of things that the Bible knew before mm-hmm. science did. Oh, so, it is, yeah. Good.
0: Okay. And so, just to add, because we have a minute and a half friend noon time, so just to add here that the the definition of firmament, according to the Oxford American Dictionary, very good, is the sky or the heavens or the, 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 the white blue yonder. Oh,
2: I, love, I love, love blue yonder. yonder. When, you, Beautiful. when you look up and you
0: see the blue sky say wow mm. what a white blue yonder. I'm going and then the yonder. you know that's the firmament and uh, there we go. It says the heavens or the sky especially when regarded with a tangible thing. Tangible, you can see it. It's mm-hmm. physical. You see the sky. You know the sky is a blue. It's a firm. Okay. Right? Right. So, but it's not a heaven or hell issue. So, run with that as you will. Next question. Here we go. So, this is kind of deep. We'll uh, start with Sister Sarah again. Uh, how do I be humble and not show off? <laughs> one of you people wrote that but yeah. that's the question how do i be humble and not show so, um, off.
2: i love this question i love this question whoever, whoever you are i love you and i love this question um however thank you thank you for being open enough yeah yeah thank you for for being vulnerable um uh, i i love you but you're probably not going to love my answer um, <laughs> and my my constituents can correct me if they feel the need to. Uh, how do I be humble and how do I not show off? Number one thing: stop self promoting.
0: Like okay. That right
2: there, okay. That's good. In yeah. in the world, the way that you Ooh, move I like up. It. I got me over the, Okay. <laughs> Lord help me. The way that you move up the corporate ladder, the way that you attain your dreams, that you, you make the money, that you, you get the fame, that you get recognized and acknowledged, the way you move up in the world is by self-promoting, by self-advertising, by putting yourself out there and saying, look, this is what I can do. I do a really cool thing. Like, watch me do this really cool thing. Isn't it cool? And that's how it works in the world. But in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. See, in the kingdom of God, you don't elevate yourself. God elevates you. Mm -hmm. And you have to give him room to do that. So your job in the kingdom of God, when you have a talent, when you have um, something that you do that's really, really cool, and you're really good at it, you do the thing. You don't self-promote. You don't self-advertise. You don't, you don't, you know, put up a big neon flashing sign that says, "I do really Amen. cool things." You just do the ministry. You just serve. And what happens is. You do the work, and God gives the increase. First Corinthians 3 and 6 through 7, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So your only job when you have a ministry, when you have a talent, is to use that thing for the kingdom of God and let God give the increase. Let Him elevate you. Y'all know this is one of my favorite little character points in the bible i love to talk about moses and aaron we know that moses was called out of a burning bush he had this huge life-changing experience and yet we find that aaron who was not called is being the mouthpiece for moses in front of pharaoh right and 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 why is that moses was called but aaron was needed and aaron made himself available. Aaron didn't say, oh, I can speak really good. Moses can't speak good, but I can speak so good. Let me do it. No, Aaron said, Moses, you're my brother and I love you and you need help and I can help you. And because Aaron simply used his ability for God's glory, God elevated him and made him chief priest, chief priest of the Levite tribe. You do not elevate you. Stop self promoting. Let God elevate you in his time and in his way. Awesome. I hope I like you put some notes on that because
1: that would be really good. Thank you. but um, it ran
0: go
1: it. humility is defined as the absence of pride. What
3: humility?
1: Humility. So, like, humble. Being humble. Being <laughs> humble. No. No, now your your flesh, well, I will say your flesh will feel embarrassed as you progress towards humility, okay? Um, Humility is the absence of pride, just like darkness is the absence of light. Um, The first step I would suggest to begin the process of trying to obtain humility is to always challenge your motives in everything, Challenge them. Why are you doing what you are doing? How do, why do you feel the way you feel when something happens? Why are you worshiping? Why are you leading a song? Really? Don't don't say it. <laughs> but in your mind and in your heart, think. Why do I do sign language? Why do I sing on plugged in? Why do you why? Why? just challenge challenge yourself mm. and it's like mm. and and this is something I've I've learned over time why is there a difference in my worship and my praise when I'm up here versus down there oh. and there shouldn't be
3: wow
1: there shouldn't be because what I'm doing here sh- should ref- what I'm doing up here should reflect here and really what I'm doing here should reflect what I'm doing alone Ooh. And in my own house, in my own prayer closet. Wow. this is not a show. I'm telling you, if you will look for the show, you will find the show. But Jesus will not be in attendance. Ooh. Ooh. Okay? Ooh. okay. Ooh. Um, real quick, I know I don't, I don't have much time, but I just I wanted to take it from a practical. Sta- OK, practical standpoint. Here are some practical ways to become humble. Be situationally aware. Um, be aware of how people are receiving you on an outward stance. Um, retain relationships. Um, make difficult decisions with ease. That's going to be a sure way to cut your pride is by making difficult decisions in your life and eventually it won't be hard. Put other people first in everything. Everything put other people first. And I want to say one more thing and then I'll wrap up. I've got others, but I feel led to say this. Yeah. You know, pride is we we talk about look at me, how great I am. But pride is also look at me how horrible I am. Cool. Okay? It it's both. Wow. It's pr- look,
0: look at me like how just obnoxious I yeah. am. Yeah. Look at me. What you are, what look
1: you at me that. God has blessed me with talents and look at me I don't have enough talent to do that so I don't need to worry. That's all pride. Huh. All of it is pride. All of it is pride. And one more thing, and then I promise I'll start with this question. The Bible does say pride leadeth towards destruction. So at the end of the day, if you don't want destruction in your life, don't make sure you get rid of pride. And it is a process. Don't think tomorrow you're going to wake up and not have pride. you got to work on it. So, Trent.
2: can't be proud
0: you can be proud yeah. of people. Right?
2: Yeah. You can celebrate with you people. You can make up your brother and That's say, biblical. You're doing a great job. But
0: you're <laughs> edifying
2: your brother. Yes. That's
0: right. You, you're building up your friend. I, I'm so proud to keep going. Push forward. I'm proud of you. You're awesome. But when you say, I'm awesome. I'm better than you. I'm going to keep getting higher. And yeah. you're going to be underneath me. That's proud. Yeah. There's a difference there. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to take my full three minutes on this.
3: Okay. Like this.
0: Yep. So... So one of the things I can't stand with pride, especially being within a, a preacher setting, a worship director setting, a musician setting. I'm all of those, and I can I've seen it, I've seen a, yeah. a thing or two.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I have never called around and asked if I could go there and preach, asked if I could go there and play, mm-hmm. asked if I could go there and do that. I Think if you're doing that you are saying I am good enough to come to your church and make a difference. That is right
3: wow. You let
0: God open the door when the door is ready for it. Yes. you can you never Try to elevate yourself and network and try to do this and try to do that now you, Now you can build relationships with churches become friends with them become friends with new pastors and youth, youth musicians and preachers but you should, you should not say, "Hey, we, like you should get me to come preach." Right. Never. Never. Because, because, because you might, you might have the door there, but God will not help you out. Hmm. That's it. And when you wow. go up there with no anointing, you will crash and burn on your uh-huh. face in front of hundreds of people. Yep. Because God did not open that door. You did. Yeah. You kicked the door open. And that was not the moment for you. Yes. So you yeah. have got to be able to be humble enough to let God bring you where he wants to bring you. Yes. I right? have one minute. So there was a scripture, Second Chronicles mm-hmm. 7, verse 14. This is very popular. It says, when my people are, it says, when my people are called by my name shall humble themselves. Says and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will do their land. What's the first thing that has to happen? You have to be called by His name. We're called by His name. Yes. We know that. What's the next thing? Humble yourself. Cool. That's the second thing. You cannot go any further in that scripture. God cannot. God will not reveal His face to you. Mm-hmm. God will not or give you of your sins. Mm-hmm. God will not um heal your land. God will not touch your family. God will not touch your ministry. God will not bless anything. Yep. You have to do step two. You're called and you be humble. Yep. If you're not humble, God will not bless you. Mm-hmm. God will not anoint you. God will not take you anywhere until you're humble enough for him to take you there. But you yes. have to start with humility. Yes. So I'm gonna just hop off that. I love that question though, because you have hard answers, but if you would just heed to what just happened up here, you will be so much higher in your calling. Yes. God will elevate you so much higher than you ever will. thought that you could go. Because when you no longer seek the spotlight and let God elevate you, mm. there's doors that you could have never opened that God would open for you. Yes. So, oh man, okay. Wow,
3: good question. All right. The next question
0: is now, this one's kind of a. Kind of an open-ended question, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna run with it. we the three minutes. What can set me free? What can set me free? I'm assuming the person asked this is is battling with something, um, and they don't know how to be set free from that. So, sisters, Sarah, go ahead.
2: Uh, Brother Brendan may have, and and Brother David, they may have a more eloquent uh, answer to this, but um, John 8 and 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We know from John 14 and 6 that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Freedom is found in Jesus. Truth is found in Jesus. We also know from John 1 and 1 that God cannot be separated from his word. God, Jesus, is his word. He is his truth. So if you need freedom, freedom can be found in him and can be found in his word. Freedom is found when you immerse yourself, when you saturate yourself in the presence of God, in his word, and in just living for him. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Remember when I talked about John the Beloved, how he had intimacy with God, right? And Psalm one nineteen forty four and 45 says, this is David speaking, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And you remember, a precept, is a commandment or a direction from God. So when you and I seek after the commandments of God, when we seek after the law of God, the word of God, when we seek after the presence of God, mm-hmm. we will find peace yes. and we will find liberty. And not only that, we will walk in that liberty, but Very you good. have to have that intimacy that comes with spending time in the presence of God, and that liberty, that freedom, that doesn't mean that you're not going to uh, that you're going to be exempt from pain. It doesn't mean that, that bad things aren't going to happen in your life. But what walking in liberty means is that you can walk through those hard times, and you have the freedom of understanding that what I'm going through is not going to end me. That what I'm going through is not going to kill me. And that I can make it through because the Lord is going to bring me through whatever it is that I'm in right now. That's it.
1: Hmm. That's good. Um, I had this quote written down. It says, Jesus emphasized that liberty has to do with man's relationship to God. It's not freedom to do what one wants but to serve God and be who He wants you to be. Mm -hmm. Um, God does not want us to have complete freedom because within complete freedom, we would do whatever we want to do. God wants to give us liberty, which is different. Mm -hmm. Liberty, I'll even take it from a historical standpoint. When the slaves were released, Civil War happened and the slaves they were released from bondage. In fact, when you talk about liberty and freedom in the Old Testament, it talks to a people who were bonded by a nation, a group. And so Civil War, you free the African-Americans, but yet they became citizens within a country that has laws. They weren't entirely free. They gained liberty. Mm. It's the same thing that works for us. Baptism, Jesus' name, Holy Ghost, repentance, all that gives us freedom at that moment. Mm. But Jesus truly gives us liberty mm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um Freedom and and liberty. But liberty is within the heart of the New Testament. The purpose of Jesus' ministry was to set at liberty them that are bruised. The bruising that we have is through the slavery of sin. And the liberty that we're given is, yes, we're still under a set of rules and guidelines, but we get so much more freedom. Mm. Through Jesus, mm-hmm. and so what can set you free? As Sister Sarah pointed out, it is Jesus. It's His Word. It's His Spirit. But you're not entirely free. Mm. You're still you have liberty, but there are still rules and guidelines. And I promise you, following those yeah. will continue to get liberty and I'll in freedom. And I'll say one more thing, and then I'll stop. Um, we preach it all the time: repent, be baptized, get the Holy Ghost, and you're saved. And that's so true. But you can lose your salvation you can lose your freedom you can lose your liberty in America if you shoot somebody in the head bye bye freedom because you committed something that was against the rules Mm -hmm. and you didn't do anything to stop that from happening right Mm -hmm. the reason why you can lose your salvation is because there's this thing called the Holy Ghost that gives you power and dominion to overthrow things in this world that want to keep you bound And so just getting the Holy Ghost once is only going to get through what you're fighting then. Mm. But if you want to continue to overcome the things you're dealing with, Mm. you continuously need the Holy Ghost. That's good. I'm done. That's very good.
2: uh, Amen.
0: Just real quick to add, uh, Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Um, So the the way to be set free is, we know, through Jesus. The yes, only way. he is the way, he mm-hmm. is the truth, he is the life. So, you, you, you get that, but then you go on to read in the New Testament where we see that they say Jesus is a spirit, and they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. So, we know that Jesus is truth the way, the truth, yes. and the life, yes. and we have to worship him. In spirit and in truth. A lot of us love to worship Him in the Spirit. Mm. A lot of us love to be in the Spirit of the Lord. We love to worship. We love to speak in tongues. We love to fill the goosebumps. We love to, 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 to tremble in His presence. We we love to be sitting out on the floor and let God heal us. Let God deliver us. Let, let God just wash us clean and wash over us. That's the Spirit. The truth is, you have to live a certain way. There's a truth to this. Yes. And there is a way. To this, yes, and so so we cannot just come and feel the goosebumps, right, and then walk out of here and live our own way. We are not set free mm.
3: at that moment
0: because we are not worshiping Him the way He intended it. Mm. There is a twofold way of worship spirit and truth. We must live this, we can't just feel the goosebumps, speak the name of Jesus, anoint people with oil, let them be fallen out in the spirit mm. in, and then say, Wow, we had good church tonight, and then you go to school. You start s- speaking in horrible ways to people. Mm-hmm. You can't speak in tongues in heavenly language and then speak in curse words in English.
2: Cool. Dude. Come on.
0: You can't speak in tongues and then curse in English. Mm-hmm. You can't speak in tongues and then speak a lie in English. Yep. You, you you can't speak in a heavenly language on Sunday and then start gossiping in English on Monday. Mm-hmm. Because you're not living the truth. Mm. You're not living through the way God intended us to live. Mm. There is something that has to happen on the inside on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that allows us to be set free. If we're only going to worship God on Sundays and Wednesdays, you will never be set free. Right. You will constantly fall back into the sin that you were in because you're not living in the truth. Mm-hmm. You're living. You are trying to get a spiritual high mm. and not live in the truth. Ooh, that's, so, yeah. that's how you be set free. Live seven days. Don't live two days in God. Right.
3: Live right. seven
0: days Yes. In God. Good. One last question and we're going to wrap up tonight. We have one more question and uh, this one I hope helps helps a lot of people in here because we all have to deal with this from time to time and so I think Excited to hear the answers. How do we as a youth staff, it says how do y'all? Yeah. So I'm just I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna yeah. assume that 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 you're asking us as the youth staff, how do we deal with anxiety? How do how do y'all deal with mm-hmm. anxiety we'll start with this
2: I might need an extra minute on this one. Uh, okay. Speak <laughs> <be> fast. speak <laughs> fast. Okay. Uh, so I uh, I'm a hipster millennial who uh, journals for comfort. Uh, because I am riddled with anxiety uh, <laughs> and I am a comfort seeker, so I was journaling at uh, Hidden Grounds the other day, and um, a woman approached me and just started talking to me about you know about my journal. And you know, she was like, "Oh, is that is that a is that a prayer journal?" I said, "I said no, but but that's a really good idea." <laughs> and she just started sharing with me her prayer journals and just just started talking. And she she told me about a a revelation that she had recently had some, some minister in her life had, had taught her that, that uh, she said, joy is a gift of the spirit. And she was, she was so excited about it. And like, I would never, ever correct her in front of her face, but she, she said, joy is a gift of the spirit. And she was so excited about it. And I just sat there and I was like, no, it's not. Joy is not a gift of the spirit because A gift would imply that it was freely given and you didn't really have to put any any work into it. There was no effort required, right? There was nothing required on your part. It was just given to you, right? But we know that joy is not a gift of the Spirit, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. And the tree had to put in effort in order to bear fruit, right? So gifts of the Spirit, you know, love, peace, long-suffering temperance yada, yada yada all of these things they're fruit and you and I have to put in effort it requires something of us to be able to bear this fruit and it being a fruit of the spirit means that if I'm going to bear fruit then I have to have the spirit operating in my life on a daily basis right? I have to have God's Spirit moving in my life. It is a fruit of the Spirit and the tree has worked for that fruit. And there are scriptures in the Bible that say that we are trees and we need to bear fruit, right? So the only way that you and I are going to bear the fruit of joy is by having the Spirit of God active in our lives. Trees can go years without bearing fruit. If they go through a hard season or if there, if there is a trauma or an injury that happens to that tree and you and I go through bad seasons, you and I go through traumas. And so there will be times in our lives where we're not really producing much fruit, Mm -hmm. but, and I'm a plant lady. All right. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm a comfort seeking millennial. So not only do I journal, but I have lots of plants. And let me tell you something, a plant might look dead on the outside, but if you continue to care for that plant, if you continue to water it and to nourish it, eventually, it might look dead, but eventually you'll see a little bit, little shoot little of green, green a yeah. little, little shoot of green where you never would have thought you'd say that thing was dead. Amen. Right? So,
3: <laughs>
2: so how, so how do I deal with anxiety? saturate myself in God's presence. I sing to the Lord. I, I read the word. Okay. I, I do, I do whatever ministry I can, whatever little tiny gifts God's given me, I use them and I live for God to the best of my ability through the good seasons where I'm bearing all kinds of fruit and through the bad seasons where I'm not at my healthiest and things are hard. But because I'm walking in that liberty that comes with the laws and the commandments of God, yeah. because I'm walking with that, I understand that this too shall pass. This Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time.
1: Um, stats real quick. Anxiety and Depression Association of America. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. affecting 40 million people in the United States age 18 and older, or about almost 20% of the population every year. Anxiety disorders are highly treatable, yet only 37% of those suffering actually receive treatment. Mm -hmm. People with an anxiety disorder are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. And finally, people with anxiety develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events, and your chemical makeup in your brain, your DNA and stuff like that. Anxiety is real. I don't want anybody sitting here thinking that they're going through something individual to them and that they're a failure. Anxiety is real. And it's something that all of us, whether it's a lot, a little, various times, deal with. Our brain and our spirit are dependent on one another. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That means what I do in here is going to affect here.
3: Yes. Yes. And
1: what I do here is going to affect here. Yes. Right? Spirit and in truth, spirit, and your truth, knowledge, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, God can heal both, knowledge and your spirit. Popular verse, but in everything, give thanks, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, obviously, your first step would be salvation, Once you've done that, your next step is to practically fix your thoughts on Christ and his promises. We have to practice awareness of our thoughts. Why am I thinking this way? Why is anxiety coming into my life? Is it something I'm looking on my phone? Is it something that happened at school? Is it something that I'm doing? Because a lot of times, I'm not a gambling man, but I bet you for all of us, a lot of our anxiety comes from what we're doing to ourselves okay situation sometimes you can't change situations you can't change a test you're going to have two weeks from now your teacher your teacher forced that on you but you can change maybe how you're going to prepare but there are things that you can change maybe at 10 o'clock at night i shouldn't be looking at tiktok about the next trend right. or whatever right. yeah. you do realize that being up that late damages your brain staring at a screen yeah and i'll Doctors say that for you to get a good night's rest, you need to be off your phones at least an hour before bed. Okay. At least an hour before bed. Um, I'll say one more thing, and then I'll stop. Our body doesn't know any other way but to say no. And our body shut down in ways we do not expect. God did not design us to be (sighs) 24-7. God made the earth and everything and gave himself a rest day. We do too. He designed us to be still and to know. Yes. It was written in the context of war, but there's a war that goes on in our body that we need to apply it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Be still and know. Do what you need to do. A lot of it is Mm self-evaluation. So, yeah, I'm done.
2: Can I add to mine? Sure. Okay, since this is a question about how we deal with anxiety, I will say... So after you've done all of that, after you're you've saturated yourself in the presence of God and after you are following his commandments and you're you're taking care of the way that you're thinking. That's a fantastic point. I found myself today mm-hmm. I was just chilling and I remember when I told you guys that I have this bad habit of like imagining yeah. fights in my head and and your body doesn't know the difference between an imagined fight yes. and one you have in real life. And I was go, I was going through a fight in my head and I was I was getting mad and I was getting my heart was racing and I I stopped and I was like, wait a minute, what's happening? You're doing it again. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a habit. You have to be very mindful of of where your mind is staying. So after you've done all of that practical stuff, I do understand that there is sometimes a chemical uh, Mm -hmm. factor to anxiety. If you need medical help, get medical help. And I will tell you, I have been medicated before. Praise God! I don't need it now, but in the past I have been medicated. If you need help, get the help that you need. Okay? Don't feel like you're a bad Christian or your Holy Ghost is bad or something because you have anxiety and 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 you need extra help. That's not a bad thing. Okay? I just want to throw that out there.
0: Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, just know that that uh, even. Even people in the Bible had anxiety. We all have anxiety. Uh, Jesus Christ himself had anxiety. You can read when he was in the garden of I guess, Gethsemane about to be crucified. We all have heard this mm-hmm. story. For those who have not, uh, he's in the garden, and he's about to get crucified. He knows this. He's God Almighty. He knows everything from the end to the beginning. He knows that he's about to be turned over to be beaten, to be, to be hung on a cross and nailed to, to a tree. And that's a lot to think about. And so he had a panic attack. The Bible says he was sweating great drops of blood as he was praying. Now, none of us in this room have had such a panic attack that we have li- literally sweated blood out of our mouths. Yes, yes, it, it is. is. It is. It's popular. It is possible. But we have not been there. None Mm-mm. of us have been there
3: not
0: even close not even close right. so 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 but jesus Jesus wanted to feel that mm. God purposefully wanted to feel the worst anxiety possible mm. because now he can help you. Mm-hmm. God came to to feel to feel things He felt mm-hmm. sin, he felt shame, he felt anxiety, he felt pain, he felt mm-hmm. fear. He wanted to do this because he wanted you to know that he's not just some God up in heaven that has never felt what you felt. Mm-hmm. He felt what you felt. He knows where you're, where, where you're at. Not for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. He knows where you're at because he was there. Mm-hmm. And so when when we feel an anxiety attack coming, and, and, if, and if we're in it, I have been in horrible ones just recently. So, so we must be able to get ourselves enough together to go in a closet, shut the door, say, God, you know where I'm at. He -hmm. feels where you are. He knows where you are. Thank you, Lord. And say, God, you you know what this is. And you can help me in this moment, calm me down enough Mm -hmm. to where I can at least be able to function. (laughs) Now, once again. If you need medical help, you need to go get that help. Okay. But, but you also have a God in heaven that can give you enough strength yes. to control it and yes. enough to go get the help. Yes. If you find yourself in a place in your room where you just don't understand and you are literally freaking out and you don't understand where to turn next, you have a God that knows where you are. Yes. And you can hit your knees at your bed by yourself. And just start giving it to God, mm-hmm. whether it's through tears, mm-hmm. whether it's through just just outright crying out loud, or, or, or just some way to get that anxiety out. God can take that from you and that that's home. right he, He's yeah. there at the mention of His name. So yeah. You 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 call on the God that filled you with the Holy Ghost will show up in your bedroom, mm-hmm. and He can take that anxiety away or give you enough strength in order to carry on. Um, we can see that through countless. Stories in the Bible with King David and 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 Elijah and, mm-hmm. and all these great powerful men of God who who the, the man after God's own heart and like the the great prophet Elijah all these powerful people have anxiety had mm-hmm. anxiety and they were able to go through that because they had a close enough relationship with God that they were able to com- communicate that to God mm-hmm. and give that to Him so. We hope that this helped y'all tonight. Uh, we're we're going to close out in prayer, and uh, we hope that you'll come back the next Wednesday because we have a few more questions to go over. Don't forget about uh, don't forget about the off-night club dance Saturday night with Mr. Long. Uh, we're going to have a powerful, powerful move of the Holy Ghost here, and so uh, let's just close this out with prayer. You, Patrick, you want to close this out? You can go ahead. Yeah. uh... (laughs) uh, (laughs) I just love putting you on the spot. Um... (laughs) On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Center Point, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Center Point Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.